This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, a review of Carnival Panorama, a seven-night cruise out of Long Beach, California, and staff writer. Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. As always, Cruise Radio News, the three things you need to know every Monday through Friday. Check it out just opposite of this feed at Cruise Radio News or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, Richard, how are you? Hey, Doug. So after 700 days, actually more than 700 days, Australia has finally welcomed cruising back. So for those of you who don't feel like starting the day by doing math, that equals 25 months. So for 25 months, there have been no ships sailing in and out of Australia. But in March, the government said that it was basically not renewing the ban that they've had on ships. And that meant that the current ban was going to expire on April 17th. Well, by 9.30 the morning after that, April 18th, we had a cruise ship sailing in. It was p Cruises Australia. It was their ship, the Pacific Explorer. And, you know, kind of a big to-do. There were the water cannon blasts and, you know, people on shore waving and all that. They were very excited, obviously. The actual first Revenue sailing for the Explorer won't be until May 31st. It'll be a four-night round-trip sailing out of Sydney. But this is a really big deal. Of course, as you might expect, you know, Australia worked really hard to sort of get COVID under control in their country, and that's why they were so reluctant to sort of open up their borders. As a result, they now as they're welcoming cruise ships back, there are all the precautions you would expect, you know, like they're going to have enhanced questioning when you're at the terminal. They're going to be testing their emergency response systems. They will, you will have a vaccine requirement, all of that kind of stuff, exactly what you'd expect. And I think one of the important things is they're really relying on the experience that other countries, including the United States, have had since they restarted. You know, they're looking and seeing, okay, what worked, what didn't work, how do we do this? And they'll obviously be keeping a very careful and close eye on this. But at last, they have opened the borders to cruise ships. Yeah, it almost was like a little bit too late because, what, a month before that, so in February, Carnival announced that they were pulling both Spirit and Splendor from Australia and bringing them here to the U.S. because Australia hadn't made a decision at that point. And then a month later, they lifted the ban because between those two ships uh, for Carnival Cruise Line in Australia, that was 7,000 guests a week. And that's just that one line. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about all of the others, you know, I think we know what phrase is going to be used a lot in the next couple of weeks as the cruise ships book up in Australia pent up demand. It's been mm-hmm. one of our favorite. We should play a drinking game. Like every time we hear the word pent up <laughs> demand, you have to chug. <laughs> and Grand Cayman has moved on to its next phase of cruise ship reopening. Right, exactly. This is not cruise ships being welcomed back to Grand Cayman because that already happened, but they had limits, very strict limits on like how many ships could come, the number of passengers, and that was during their first phase, which lasted until 
April 17th. And during that, they had 21 ships show up with about 75,000 passengers. Now, however, they are changing that. They are lifting their restrictions. They're allowing more ships. They're allowing more passengers. So I think it's going to be interesting in the coming weeks. We're going to obviously see some ships shifting their itineraries because they hadn't been able to go to Grand Cayman for a while. And, you know, that once again, we will be playing that game where we're sort of, and we play a lot of this right now, where where itineraries are shuffled based on what ports are available, what ports have restrictions, what ports don't. But this is more good news. It's more people will be able to go. And buffets are back on Royal Caribbean. We're a little bit playing catch up on this. They actually announced this sort of in, I guess it was early April that they were basically, it's not like the buffet ever went away, but they were doing the crew was serving you in buffets. And a listener, JT, brought to our attention that they've dropped that now. It's back to, you know, self-serve buffet. I'll admit I didn't mind. You know, I've been on a couple of ships now where the crew served you and I didn't mind it. I know some people, you know, think that somehow they're getting the short end of the stick on that, but it didn't really seem that way to me. One interesting thing is that Royal kind of introduced a lot of grab and go stuff that was pre-prepared so that if you didn't want to go through the buffet, you know, you could go to the buffet and still grab, you know, whether it's a sandwich or something like that, that's pre-packaged and you can serve yourself on it. They're actually going to continue doing that. They apparently found that that was very popular. And especially I'm sure if you're going on a shore excursion, how awesome is it to be able to just run up there and grab a sandwich and, you know, eat it as you're running down to uh, the, to disembark the ship. So they will be keeping that. It's another example of things that were sort of put in place out of necessity because of COVID restrictions that are actually going to stick around, sort of like, you know, with the various ships have found the mustard drill, the new mustard drill that they've put in place has proven very popular and very effective. And so they're keeping it. This is another example of that. Are those the things like the the cups of fruit or the pasta salad and the little bowls that are already like pre-done yeah. and wrapped? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. They're there. They're all wrapped. You know, you can go and just grab it. They have a bunch of different things and and it's it's you know, almost you see that you've seen this on ships before. This isn't like it's something new. It's just something that we never really saw at the buffet. It was usually sometimes they would have it at a separate station. Uh, sometimes they would have it. I remember when I was on Anthem of the Sea, they had something similar at I think it was Cafe 270, things like that. But we've never really seen it at the buffet. It's proved very popular there. So they're mm-hmm. going to keep it. And Norwegian Escape has finally returned to service after remaining docked for more than a month. Yeah, this ship, boy, they went through, I I can't even imagine how much revenue they lost. Uh, So it all started, well, you will recall, we've been reporting on this for a while. It started when the ship was leaving the Dominican Republic and a big old gust of wind sort of came along. And as a result, they got sort of stuck. It, It went aground. And it's interesting. People kind of wonder, wait, a gust of wind blew a cruise ship. A cruise ship is huge. How can wind, you know, <laughs> impact a cruise ship like that? But when you think about it, how does a sailboat work? A sailboat works because you've got this sheet of fabric that when the wind hits it, it can change the direction of the ship. Well, the side of a cruise ship is like one gigantic sail. So if you get a strong enough wind, it definitely is going to impact, you know, they have to make adjustments in the bridge for the wind and all of that. In this case, whatever happened caused it to run aground. 
as a result, it did some hull damage. Once it got back to Port Canaveral, they had divers going under and fixing it. They never really said exactly how bad the damage was, but it was bad enough that they had to cancel four weeks' worth of sailings. What's a little bit ironic is that the ship is now on a seven-night voyage, after which it will stop sailing out of Port Canaveral. It will sail to New York City. And it will go from New York City over to, I believe, Rome. It's going to spend the summer in Europe sailing the Med. So all of those sailings out of Port Canaveral had to be canceled. It had one sailing out of Port Canaveral. Now it'll come to New York and then head over to, I think it's an 11-night transatlantic, over to Europe. You think about the surface area on the side of a cruise ship, and even the balconies don't help either because those are like little pockets for the wind to kind of hide. And it just pushes that thing. And most modern day cruise ships have a crosswind component of like 35 knots for the thrusters. And then anything over that, the thrusters does nothing. You either get tugboats or you kind of drift wherever it puts you. But with the underwater welders there for three weeks in Port Canaveral, uh, it was a little more than what they said, as they said, minor hull damage. Yeah. And they never really specified beyond that. You know, yeah. that goes to that thing we always talk about where cruise lines tend to be a little bit tight lipped with information. They're not really big on letting everything out. Yeah. It's like, oh, what happened to this ship? I don't know, but we have some NFTs coming out next week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we should do those. We should make some NFTs and auction them off. I don't even know what they are, but apparently they're a big uh, deal. <laughs> news of the Weird Part 2. I say Part 2 because Part 1 involved a drug bust on MSC Seaside last week. Right. And that was 10 people who were busted. They were getting off the ship. Uh, dogs sniffing their bags found that there might be something going on. When they opened it up, they had false bottoms with cocaine in it. Big bust, blah, blah, blah. Well, here we are a week or two later, and another bust on the same ship. This time they had 12 kilos of cocaine in their luggage. What's fascinating to me about this, well, there's a couple things, really. First of all, this did not happen as they were disembarking. This was an unexpected inspection of the ship. And they had the drug dogs on, and they were sniffing around. They got to a certain cabin, and the dogs kind of started reacting. So they went inside, searched the luggage of the couple inside, and found cocaine. I say the couple inside, but as has been the case before, this was not a real couple. These were people who were pretending to be a couple. There have been a couple of different stories, but the basic story is that the woman had recently lost her job. She had been working as um, a maid or some such thing, lost her job. This guy offered her, hey, you want to go on this trip with me? We're going to pose as man and wife, or as a couple at least. She did know that they were doing something illegal. She did not know exactly what it was. She reportedly did not know that it was cocaine that they were putting in their bag. Turned out they had over 500,000 euros worth of cocaine, which was bound for Italy. The amount in American dollars, that works out to about $543,000. They also, at some point, some of the stories indicated that when they were being questioned, the couple said that they were not the only people on board pretending to be couples who might also be smuggling. No word on whether you know they were able to go back on board and find who these other couples are. Maybe next week we'll have part three. Who knows? Wow. Such a bizarre story. Listener question comes from Deb. I was excited to do a short cruise on the new Margaritaville cruise ship from Palm Beach, Florida, but heard it's actually not sailing at the moment. What's up with that? 
That is true. It has been delayed. Okay, so this is the sailing from Port of Palm Beach to Grand Bahama Island on what used to be the Grand Classica. Now it's being relaunched as this Margaritaville to sea, um, at sea, excuse me. It was originally supposed to start sailing on April 30th, but they've now pushed it back two weeks to May 14th. This is all part of the renovations that are going on board. It's They're, they're in a wet dock, um, which I had never actually heard that term before. I'd heard of dry dock. I did not realize that wet dock was also a thing, but I guess it makes sense. Uh, and the renovations are they're completely rebranding all of the ship's cabins. There are 600 cabins. They're giving the casino a new look, the spa, the fitness center, all of it to go along with this new, you know, Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville theme. Once they do start sailing, you will either be able to do the sailing from Palm Beach to Freeport, uh, Grand Bahamas. You can either do one way and like, I guess, live in Freeport. <laughs> you can do round trip or you can do what they call sort of the sail and stay where you sail to Grand Bahamas and then, you know, maybe you want to spend a week there. Maybe you want to spend two weeks there. You make arrangements with the cruise line for when you want to go back. So you are doing a round trip, but it's not your traditional round trip where, you know, you go and you spend a day there and you come home. You can spend a few days there or as long as you like and then sail back. But they are, as of this point, saying that they will be sailing again at May 14th. You know, this particular cruise line has had some issues over the last couple of years, so it'll be interesting to see if everything comes together as planned. Certainly, this is a big investment. I mean, not only in the refurbishment of the ship, but, you know, you're paying to license Margaritaville. You know, you might recall that for a while, Norwegian had a deal with Jimmy Buffett, and they had a Margaritaville on their ships. They also had the it's five o'clock somewhere bar, which interestingly they will have on the new Margaritaville at sea. They're basically just lifting the concept right off of Norwegian ships and putting it on this ship. So hopefully they'll start sailing at the end of May and you'll be able to take your friends and go have an awesome time. Well, hey, Norwegian CEO Kevin Sheehan brought in Jimmy Buffett back in 2015 and now Sheehan is the CEO of Bahamas Paradise. So, uh, you know, I guess it makes sense. Look at you connecting the dots. Yeah. Uh, very good there. Back to what they've kind of had some questionable operations over the past couple of years. I think they might have to walk a little straighter line now because now with Buffett's name being aligned to it, he probably has his people making sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. Yeah, I think this feels like, I don't want to say a last ditch effort, but I think if this fails, I think it could be really bad for the cruise line. You know, I think they've run into a lot of problems over the years, and this is an interesting move that hopefully will help save their bacon. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thanks, my friend. As always, glad to be here. a tip or a lead on a news story let us know email tips at cruiseradio.net a big question we get at cruise radio is how do i know if i need trip insurance simple answer if you're getting on a plane taking a road trip or getting on a cruise ship you need to have travel insurance Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Local, national, and worldwide, we've got you covered. Top stories and industry analysis every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News with Doug Parker. Bob and his family just returned from a seven-night cruise out of Long Beach, California on Carnival Panorama, a ship that was launched in 2019. It did uh, the Mexican Riviera, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Bob. Hey, Doug. How are you today? Good, man. Thank you so much for coming on to share this review. It's been a little while since we heard about Carnival Panorama. Actually, I think uh, pre-shutdowns the last time we talked about this ship. So lots to cover here. Before we get to the ship itself, we're going to get some pre-cruise thoughts, as we always do. You're up in Washington State. You had to go down to Long Beach, the L.A. area, to take this cruise. So give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-night cruise on Panorama? Well, we booked it pre-pandemic. So we bought it for a Christmas present for our kids. And we were originally booked back in, I believe it was uh, 2020 in July to go. But then with the pandemic hitting, it shut down. And this being the last ship built in Fincanteri, I thought that, and I watched it being built. I'm thinking, okay, I want to take this ship, the last one being built out of there. And the captain of this ship, because I'm a big Carnival fan, was the captain of the Destiny when it came out. So I thought, this is perfect. This ship was calling to me, so that's why we chose this ship. And especially, uh, we like sailing out of Long Beach. It's a fantastic port to sail out of. Very cool. You make your way from Washington down there to Long Beach. Any pre-cruise time? We flew in the night before, stayed at the uh, the Marriott by the LAX airport. Mm-hmm. And so we flew in the day before, went over there and stayed, and then just toured around the LAX area there um, while we're waiting for the next day to pre-board the ship and went to this really cool place down there that I would recommend to anybody. It's, uh, it's called a Proud Bird Restaurant. And what it is, it's right there at the entrance of the LAX runway. So all the heavies, the big, you know, the big jets, they fly right in front of you and land and the restaurant sits right there. And I thought that was super cool to see. So nice. uh, that's uh, something we did when we were down there. I'm glad that's open because when I went out there just after the cruise industry reopened, it was shut down. So I'm glad they reopened that. I was really wanting to go out there to check that out. Yeah, it's a super cool place. Got a lot of old airplanes in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a place out there for the kids to play. They have fire pits. It is um, uh, just a cool venue. Super cool cool venue. So you you make your way to the Long Beach Cruise Terminal. How was embarkation? Embarkation was easy. It was simple. Uh, You got there at your prescribed time. A uh, carnival had they were had they had people out there that were super cool. They directed you to a line, and that's the line you waited in. And then when it was your time to go up forward, they would take you forward in this line. You go all the way forward into the terminal, wait your turn, and then go in there with your, um, you know, you show your Vax card and your enhanced driver's license and stuff like that. What they're asking you for before you board, and then you go through the rest of the terminal, pick up your assignments and everywhere, wherever you're going through the lines in the carnival and then up off into the ship. And, and here we go. Do they have the Verifly system rolled out yet on this cruise? Yeah, they did. That's one thing we did use. We used Verify um, and we downloaded everything to the Verify app. Okay. And so that saved us not a lot of time, but it saved us some time. It was yeah. easy to do. I encourage anybody to do it. 
And even with the pre-COVID testing too, we did it. Uh, we ordered kits through the mail and did it ourselves. And then just, um, you know, downloaded the testing and everything to the verify and simple done. So that's all we had to show. How long would you say it took from curb to ship? I would say maybe less than a half an hour. That's right around there. I mean, the lines were a little bit long, but they were pretty fast on getting you in. Mm -hmm. It didn't take that long. I think it was about probably about a half an hour. So you make your way on board Panorama. What were your first impressions? I'm sure a lot different than Destiny. Oh, a lot different. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's amazing that you talked last week about Joe Farkas. I'm so used to Joe Farkas designs. Mm -hmm. uh, when I walked into the Panorama, I'm thinking, oh, okay, this isn't a Farkas design. It was almost like it was a, a vanilla type um, carnival ship. I really wasn't used to it. It was, it was beautiful, but I really wasn't used to what I saw when I walked inside and you see, you know, the funnel and how it comes down with the, with the, um, I don't know what that thing, what they call that thing in the middle. The dreamscape. But it's got all the, yeah, the dreamscape. Yeah. I mean, it's super cool, uh, but I don't know. I mean, it was a beautiful ship, but I was just so used to Farkas design. So. Yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe Farkas, Carnival Magic. So in 2011, that was the very last ship he had any influence on. Then they went to oh, this wow. German design company um, for ships after that. So they kind of just cut mm -hmm. Joe right out of the picture in 2011. He was still doing some <laughs> consulting work with Costa, but uh, no longer with Carnival, which uh, I don't know. It's very, some people love it. Some people don't. I'm a huge fan as well. Mm -hmm. Like I said last week, to design, you know, to come up with those kind of designs in your brain and put them on paper mm -hmm. and then into reality. That's some good stuff right there. It is. Yeah. When you see all the glitz, because I was so used to the glitz. I mean, we, you talked glitz and glamour last week mm -hmm. and the lights and the shininess of it. And, and this ship had some of it, but it didn't have enough of it. What I thought that I was going to walk into. Yeah. So no. I, was I was really surprised, super surprised by the design. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. You'll have to do Miracle out of California at some point because it's, uh, it's got that really trippy design as well. Alice in Wonderland and Frankenstein and oh, the nightclub. Yeah. yeah. All kind of craziness on that one. Is that a Farkas? It is. Yeah. Is that, that was, a uh, oh, that was okay. early on. So that was when he was in his okay. heyday, um, just oh, after cool. the fantasy class ones. So let's see here. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you mm -hmm. book and how was it through your seven nights? We had a balcony suite. Uh, uh, and our kids had balcony suites too, because we were able to upgrade way back in 2020. Mm -hmm. a nice room. I mean, I was impressed by the size and uh, the comfort of the bed, the balcony. It's, you know, typical carnival balcony, but it's, it's super cool to have. I would recommend anybody get a balcony suite. The room was nice. It was laid out nice. You know, the bathroom, the shower and everything, because I've watched a lot of videos on the bathrooms and everything. I think, oh, okay, interesting. But it worked. I mean, the showers, the water was hot and the bathroom was perfect. The only thing I wish that the room did have is more plugins next to the bed for your phones and everything instead of being over on the table on the opposite side. That's the only thing I probably would have changed is putting more USB plugins next to the bed. But otherwise, ample storage, places for your luggage underneath there, closet space was big. Nothing wrong with the room at all. It was, it was perfect. It's like I said, the ship is almost brand new. Yeah. So because it has yeah, to shut down and I don't know how many sales it's taken, but no, we were impressed with it. Very comfortable. We wouldn't have changed anything. Very cool. So let's talk about yeah. dining on this seven-night cruise. Uh, sure. We'll start at the top at the Lido Deck Marketplace. How was that? It was okay. You know, I wasn't a big fan of their food. The marketplace up there, they only had one side open all the time when you went there. Uh, the ship was sailing at about 80%. So always the back area was always open and the middle area was always closed. 
But uh, I wasn't a big fan of the food. It just wasn't for me. I didn't see anything that really got my attention, but maybe the sandwich shop across the way over there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that's the only place that I ate up over there is at the sandwich shop over in Melito. Gotcha. And how about the main dining room? Uh, What time dining did you have and how was your experience? We had early dining, 0600, and then we were in the, uh, uh, I can't remember what dining room we were in. I forgot the name now, but the dining room was really cool. We ate up there about three, four nights. The food was good. I wouldn't say it's over the top food, but the service was good. The food was good. Came out of the timely manner. The crews and everything, they were just, they, they worked their butts off to get you served. But yeah, I couldn't complain that much about the food at all. It's, you know, because it's a, uh, you know, typical carnival food. It was good. I had no problem with it at all. And then my kids seemed to like it too. So like I said, if you wanted anything extra, all you had to do was ask for it and your servers would bring with it. Uh, The only thing about the dining room there, I think, oh, we were in the horizon room. If you look at this ship, the Vista dining room is gorgeous. They put us in the horizon dining room. The Vista was closed in the horizon dining room, but the horizon dining room was so dark. And then you walk in Vista, and Vista's so gorgeous. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. why did they put everybody in here yeah. instead of using Vista? It made no sense. Uh, what kind of capacity so, the, were you sailing at? They were sailing at 80%. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, you had three or four meals in the main dining room. Where did you mm-hmm. go elsewhere on the ship for dinner? We ate a guy's burger during the day, but we would go to uh, the Blue Iguana Cantina before it closed. And then we ate at the pizza bar in the back a couple times, got some pizza back there. And the seafood shack in the back, I'd recommend that to anybody. That seafood is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they ran out of a lot of stuff, which was amazing that, you know, they ran out of clams and things like that. I'm thinking, huh, interesting. But the fish and chips and everything for the price that they charge and what you get, it is well worth it, Doug. I mean, the food was so good back there at the seafood shack. I, yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, we didn't really eat at any of the other places like Gigi's or the Steakhouse or Cucina del Capitano or uh, the Pig and Anchor because, you know, we're not a big fan of going on a cruise ship and then paying for dining. Sure. So we just rather eat the, free that, the food that's there. Very yeah. cool. So on this seven-night yeah. cruise, uh, how was the entertainment for y'all? The entertainment was, was really good. The shows that they did, we saw two of the shows they did there. One of their shows, the theatrics, something went wrong with it. So they came out and they did an acoustic version of it. Instead of shutting the show down, uh, the cruise director came out and said, hey, this has never happened since we've been doing this, but this is what we're going to do now. And they're going to continue with the show. So they came out and did an acoustic version. And that was super cool. They could have shut it down, but they came out and entertained and it was really, really good. So both shows were really good. I thought they were good. So my wife thought they were good, too. So, nice. yeah, good entertainment. So it was like one of the playlist production shows where they had technical issues, so they did it like just acoustic or whatever? Yeah, it was the first one, and I don't remember. I can't remember what the name of it was. Yeah, they did an acoustic version of it instead. Nice. Yeah. Very, very cool. How about um, around the yeah. ship, like music, uh, piano bar, comedy club, anything like that? Yeah, we were at the comedy club. Comedians were funny. Of course, you know, it, it's packed. And that's one thing, again, is, okay, you got this many people, move it to the theater. Mm -hmm. You know, the lines were so long to get into comedians is because I, yet again, I can't remember what the name was, but the one comedian, he was on The Office, and he was super funny. And, well, that's the only guy we saw. I think his first name was Mike. I can't remember his last name was. The other comedian we didn't see, but, uh, yeah, the comedian was good. In the back at, uh, I can't remember what the Cuban place was called back there, but that entertainment was really, really good. A good band was playing back there. 
and just music throughout the ship was was super good for the entertainment. We did go into the piano bar, which was kind of entertaining, but it was a little quiet, so we left. And um, I think that's about all the entertainment we you know we we experienced on the ship. Okay. Now, as far yeah. as sea days, you had a couple of sea days on this seven night cruise. How were they as far as crowds and congestion sailing at eighty percent? There wasn't any. You wouldn't believe that the people that were out there. I mean, we did, we didn't have to wait for anything. I mean, you could see the people down there waiting at like Guys Pig and Anchor or Blue Iguana Cantina, but the wait wasn't that long. Doug. It was short wait list times, and people were spread out throughout the whole ship. So that size of ship, and, and let's say it sails, I think it's like 4,000 people maybe or something like that. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But um, everybody's so spread out. It wasn't congested. There was people, but it was nicely laid out. And people were just so spread out. And there wasn't really a, a big area where where a lot of people were hanging out. So gotcha. when the cruise director would come out and the pool parties would start, then you'd see a lot more people come out. But it wasn't there wasn't like a ton of people there all at once. Right. Like I said, it was spread out throughout the whole ship. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah the CDs were cool. Did you uh, do the, it's not called the bounce house. Like I think it was called the bounce zone or sky. was it sky zone. The, uh, the yeah. trampoline room. Yeah. My kids did. It's called sky zone. And they said that was the best money we ever spent for them. They had a blast recommend it to anybody, even with kids all the way up to 25. My kids, they, they, they had fun doing it. You jump and you can stick to the wall, the rock climbing wall. Uh-huh. You can play tug of war. Oh, no, it's, it, they had a good time for a full hour. And when they were done, they hurt and they were tired. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, they said it was a great time. For it's, them. A, yeah. it's a good place to go and get some uh, pent up aggression out of you, too, if you want to <laughs> joust with someone. It, we had a ball with uh, some of my colleagues in there. That was a fun time. How about the sky ride? Oh, uh, we didn't do the sky ride. We were going to until the last day and then it got super cold and then it got a little windy. So they closed it. And then when they opened back up, the line got long. So we didn't do that or the uh, rope walk. Gotcha. Uh, we were, we we're waiting for that last day, but it got, you know, when the ship's going back in, it got super, it got a little cold outside and windy. So we just decided to skip it. Gotcha. Yeah, we didn't do it. On this seven night cruise, you did Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan and Cabo. How was Puerto Vallarta? Yeah. Uh, Puerto Vallarta was Super cool. We love the Malacan. That's the beach walk down there where all the shops are on there. When we got into port, my wife wanted to go over to the Walmart. So we went over there and checked it out. And it's just another Walmart. Don't waste your time. I think don't waste your time. But I wouldn't waste my time. I'd go down to the Malacan, get into a taxi, spend the $5 per person to go down there. It will not disappoint you. It is so beautiful down there. The palm trees and, and the vendors, people are so friendly. They're just sitting there welcoming you back. They're just glad to see people. And people are just, they're friendly and patient. And uh, so we, we really liked it down there. And that's what we did. So after Malacan, uh, then we went back to the ship because I think we we're in port for like maybe 10 or 12 hours. Mm-hmm. So, it, um, yeah. Is the cruise pier close to the Malacan? Uh, no, it's not. It's about maybe, I want to say 15 minute drive away. Okay. Yeah. The Walmart's right across the street and there's a mall across the street, but the mm-hmm. mall is so, it's a mall. Yeah. I mean, we walked through it and walked out of it and that was about it but no the malacons further on down so you we that's where we took a taxi and there's a and there's a plethora of taxis out there that'll take you to wherever you want to go gotcha and you went to mazatlan how was mazatlan mazatlan was awesome we booked a shore excursion there to go to the el cid resort so we um we hopped on a bus uh took a 45 minute bus ride with a tour down mazatlan we had a really good tour guide over to the el cid resort where we got to spend the day 
at the beach and at the pool. And it was like an all-inclusive resort that they took us to. So it was it was super beautiful place. And I'd recommend that to anybody going on this ship. That sold out so fast that people were so disappointed they couldn't get tickets on it. It was only a limited amount. Yeah. So that's one thing I would recommend to anybody go down there is because you will not be disappointed. It's beautiful. And it's not that expensive. It was fairly cheap. So that we couldn't beat it. Do you remember what that what that cost per ticket? Yeah, it was it was sixty dollars per ticket. Okay, that's not bad. And that and that included all you you know when you go to the resort, it's, the food's not included, but all you can drink is included. And the bartenders in there kept bringing you you know drinks and whatever you're drinking and stuff like that. And their food there is not that expensive either. The food was really really good. It was fresh. Again, mm-hmm. we had more seafood, and uh, they were really really uh, happy just to see people there. Nice. So yeah, it was a, a really cool time. And then last but not least, you went to Cabo. How was your time there? Oh, Cabo short. They should make Cabo uh, more time. Mm-hmm. It's too short of a time, Doug. It's like one of the most beautiful places to go. We got off the ship, uh, took a, then we went over and got a little boat ride out to uh, Lover's Beach and Divorce Beach and spent, uh, spent a couple hours out there. And just a beautiful time. The weather was in the 80s. Whales are out. And just a spectacular time, just too short into Cabo. And after a two-hour excursion, our boat guy came back out and got us and took us back into where the pier is. And then we sat there and shopped around a little bit, had some street food out there right next to, I can't remember what the restaurant was called, but really, really good seafood again. Another Mexican restaurant there. I can't remember what that name was. I'm sorry, I forget names, but they, they had really good food. And then after that, we just shopped around a little bit. Then it was time to go back to the ship. Uh, like I said, Cabo was too short of a time. It needs to be extended. I'm noticing there's so much a, more to do and not enough time to see it all. Yeah, sounds like it. I'm noticing a seafood trend here, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My wife doesn't like seafood, uh-huh. so she, she doesn't cook it. So I eat a lot of seafood. Yeah. So when I get on a cruise ship and I go places, it's, it's seafood. And I hear they had the freshest seafood, and it lived up to its name. It was super fresh. Very cool. It was really, really good. Yeah, so super cool. So you make your way back to Long Beach. How was debarkation? Getting off the ship was great. Getting your luggage was not so great. You're held hostage by the Port of Long Beach. And what I recommend anybody do, take your luggage with you. Carnival says you can leave your luggage out, we'll come grab it, and then you can pick it up at the terminal. I would recommend not doing that because of the fact that when you get down there, you're held hostage until all the luggage from the ship is brought down. Just not your floor and your stateroom. All of it is come down. Mm-hmm. And then the staff down there, I believe they're longshoremen. Now will sit there and say, if you want your luggage, come grab it. If you want us to take it, we can get you out fast. But if you don't, now you can grab your luggage. Now you got to go to the longest tail of the line. And we had to go do that. We waited just to get out of the terminal with our luggage over an hour. Yikes. Because they had the right of way to go through. Mm-hmm. They, they had a, if you use them, pay them to take your luggage, then they can get you through. But if not, otherwise, you had to wait for them to clear through customs and everything, and then you can go. But if you walked off the ship prior to having your luggage down there, you had it in your hand, you can just walk right by it all. You got off the ship super fast. Yeah. But we chose to go the opposite direction and ended up waiting over an hour just to get out of the terminal. It's yeah. funny how that you can... uh how that express lane works, right? You can grease his hand with a yeah. few bucks and kind of ease on through there or <laughs> wait in line again. <laughs> yeah. And I chose to go wait in line, which was, uh, you know, next time we'll take our luggage with yeah. us. 
Exactly. You, know, you learn something new all the time. How was the smoke situation in and around the casino? Because you have to go through the casino to get to some places on the ship. Yeah. I didn't smell hardly any of it, uh, Doug, to be honest with you. It was clean. Maybe there was a, maybe a little smell in there, but it wasn't bad at all. We were in the casino maybe a couple of times, didn't really spend a lot of time in there, but we could hardly smell it. It wasn't an issue at all for us. Very good. Well, looking back on this cruise, do you have any tips to offer either someone taking a Mexican Riviera itinerary or sailing on Carnival Panorama? Yeah, what I would do is that on your, remember on, on sea days, when sea days, you're out there, too, okay, the guys pick an anchor and Cucina del Capitano and uh, Gigi's Asian Kitchen, if you go during lunch, the food is free. Now, if there's a part on Carnival's website where you can see where all this is there, but if you got to really pay attention to it, because when we would go out and get barbecue from Guys, Pig and Anchor, people would say, where did you get that? And they didn't know that it was free and it was outside, outside where you had to go get it. Cucina del Capitano is a sit-down Italian restaurant, but you can sit down there for lunch as well, as Gigi's Asian Kitchen was also free too as well. Gotcha. And those are the things is that look at the perks that they have on board and see what's for free. And, you know, you just figure it out and then you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of everybody else. The only other thing I would just recommend is that just do your homework. You know, watch the blog, uh, listen to cruise radio and find out where people have been and what they've done and where they get this, that, and the other thing. And you'll have an awesome cruise. Very really good well. advice there. And treat, yeah, and treat the staff with kindness is because they are overworked and they will treat you like a king. And we always have and always will. So yeah, we really appreciated it. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all? Uh, the biggest highlight was spending time with family and getting to know the, uh, there was a gentleman up on the third deck. His name is Angar. And he was a guy that was just up there cleaning decks and we got to really know him. And so from day one until our last day, we'd go up there, he'd have our seats saved, he'd have towels on our chairs. He even had a, uh, a sit-up chair for my sister who has a hard time walking. And he would turn the chair around because she wouldn't come into port with us mm-hmm. so she can look over the deck. Nice. That's how nice he was every day. So just spend time with family and, and get to know the crew is because they will take care of you because they miss their families. So that's the one thing is I would tell anybody doing it. Yeah. Amen. In your final thoughts yeah. of Carnival Panorama. Just a very, very fun ship. It's a, a good time. It's not like I said, the Joe Farkas ages. So if you're looking for that, this isn't the ship for you. But otherwise, beautiful ship, great staff, lots of stuff to do, do it all, and just have a good time and just have fun. Very good. We've been talking with Bob okay. about his seven-night cruise on Carnival Panorama down to the Mexican Riviera. Bob, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience, my friend. Thank you so much, Doug. I really appreciate you. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.